From the Financial Times in London, I'm Patrick Jenkins, the FT's financial editor, and this is FT News. Seven of the UK's big banks have just passed Bank of England stress tests, but only just. I'm joined by Caroline Binham, the FT's financial regulation correspondent, and Stephen Hall from KPMG to discuss the news. Caroline, everyone's passed, kind of. Kind of, and that's the key caveat. The Bank of England itself is very loath to use the F word, or failed, but the fact remains that Standard Chartered and the Royal Bank of Scotland would have failed the test had they not taken particular capital raising activities and other things that they have actually done in the last year. So yes, all things being equal, everybody's passed and it's not quite as bad as people feared, but Standard Chartered and RBS singled out for particular attention within the stress tests, which this year modelled a particularly severe slowdown in the Chinese economy, which is obviously quite apt, and that would have had a knock-on impact on how prices in China and Hong Kong. Now, obviously, it should be noted that that's not a forecast, that is just a stressed scenario. And that will have obviously hit Standard Chartered quite badly, that explains their issue. RBS? Well, RBS, it's slightly unclear as to what exactly and by how much they did not meet their goals, because that was on the unspecified individual capital guidance where they fell short. So still some question marks on RBS. Let me bring Stephen Hall in, who's the partner in the risk consulting business at KPMG. Stephen, thanks very much for joining us. I suppose if you put these stress test results together with the last ones, which had very different stresses, particularly around UK lending risks and so on, I suppose you can be reassured. Yes, I think the combination of last year's domestic stresses and this year's emerging market and trading book stresses show that the UK banking system has been resilient to a range of different stresses, which provides comfort to the public and to the policymakers and regulators of the resilience of the UK banking system. Is there anything we should be alarmed about, though? In terms of the level of conduct costs, then this year's stress tests show significant stressed conduct losses arising of the order of £40 billion that the PRA has included, which actually exceeds the £37 billion of trading book losses, which is interesting given that this was intended as a, as a trading book stress as well as the emerging market stress. RBS is the one bank I suppose everyone associates with having a lot of open-ended regulatory issues hanging over them. Is that what you would see as being their big issue? In terms of the conduct losses and the stressed conduct losses, then the PRA hasn't broken down that information by organisation. So it's impossible to tell specifically bank to bank. However, it was surprising how RBS, which wasn't being talked about before the results coming out today, has fared relatively less well than was expected in comparison with some of the other organisations. Looking at the big picture of stress tests, it's a post-crisis phenomenon in, in the UK, really. We've only been doing it for the past couple of years in this kind of way, following more like a US model. How important would you say they are going to be going forward? Are they going to be the primary driver of capital levels, really, within the banking system? I think the stress testing regime in the UK that is being operated through this concurrent stress testing exercise is becoming part and parcel of the fabric of the UK regulatory relationship with the major banks. Now, stress testing has always been an important part of what banks have had to do to meet their supervisory obligations, but this annual process is becoming more and more formalised and is adopting a regime which is 
becoming more similar to the US CCAR approach. And so I think it is becoming more important in that process. The way that the PRA examines the results of this concurrent stress testing clearly drives the capital plans and the dividend plans of the organizations. And we've seen today in the results that because of the capital initiatives that the organizations have done through 2015, that has allowed the PRA to be comfortable with their future capital planning activities. Let me just come back to Caroline now because there are a few other points that we should mention. That It wasn't just this stress test that took place today. There was more. There was indeed. Today, the Bank of England, through its Financial Policy Committee, was also setting out its general approach to bank capital. And the very strong message from Mark Carney, the governor, was that the UK banking system really is very resilient. It's within sight of where the Bank of England thinks the general capital level should be. They also announced that they will likely raise what's known as the counter-cyclical capital buffer in March, and it will be the first time they raise the CCYB. Mr Carney said that that 1% rise would not lead to vastly more capital needed to be raised by banks in the system. What's essentially happening is a reallocation of capital. This is an abridged version of the FT's Banking Weekly podcast, which you can download from ft.com slash podcasts. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.